Welcome to the Pilots and Petards podcast, the podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts and potentially everything to do with first episodes of a filmic series. I'm Mo, and joining us as always are co-hoisters Drew and Jimbo. For folks new to the show, disclaimer, petard is absolutely non-discriminatory, and it is a real word. Petards are explosive devices usually used to take out a door or wall. Thank you, Jimbo. And to be hoisted on a petard is to be hurt or destroyed by one's own plot or device intended for another. So in Eagle Point terms, to be blown up by one's own bomb. And here at Pilots and Petards Podcast, we watch television pilots or the first episode of a series, and we make critical judgments. We decide whether these pilots are awesome and deserve a watch or a rewatch of the preceding series, or we hoist these pilots on their own petards. To hoist or not to hoist Jimbo, that is the question. Join us today as we cast judgment and determine if the early 2000s outer space sci-fi western Firefly will be hoisted or not hoisted. That is the question. Jimbo, I think you have the most background with this show, so do you want to kick us off for background? Sure. So my father strongly recommended this show to me maybe three or four years ago and so I watched it with him when I was visiting one time and I don't remember if I started with the first episode or not but but I was pretty pretty into it I actually watched it all and then I watched the movie and once once I saw the movie I actually went back and watched the whole series again and I might have watched it one more time since then so in the last three or four years I've watched this series at least two times all the way through maybe even a third Mo, what's your background on Firefly? So I've never seen it. I have heard of it, though, because I know it has a big cult following, and I know some friends that really got into it. But yeah, I didn't even know there was a movie, Jimbo, so limited background from me. Um, so my background is a little bit similar to Jimbo's in that I also watched the show with my dad, but I was a big Buffy head, as we have discussed on this show before, and so I was hyped for this show when it came out. I I think I watched the first two episodes on TV, but they moved it around. And then when the DVDs came out, my dad and I picked them up from a used bookstore that sold DVDs too. So I have very fond uh, nostalgic memories of Firefly. I was psyched that this pilot got picked. As was I. Listeners, we are going to coin a new term this week, and I'm going to experiment with it. I'm not sure how it's going to come out whenever I say it, but stay tuned. You will not find a nostalgia boner in my pants this week. <laughs> well, there's a good reason for that. <laughs> we'll talk about the quality of this pilot soon. <laughs> but moving on, here's a 60-second summary. In a far-flung future, the human race has abandoned Earth for the stars, but life on the outer rim of the known universe can be downright harrowing. Technology and amenities have to catch up, so this new future has become the new Old West. Smugglers and six shooters accompany mercenary Captain Mal Reynolds and his quirky crew as they try and stay one step ahead of the monolithic Alliance of Planets government and off the radar of the Savage Reavers. And what secrets are the passengers of the Serenity hiding? Well, find out on the pilot episode of Firefly. And now we are going to move into high points. And Mo, why don't you start us off with your high point? The whole setting of the show was probably my entire high point. I really like when things are post-apocalyptic and in space. The graphics, I'll give I'll give it to them. It was the early 2000s. CGI was still weak. But for the most part, I think I, I really find it entertaining and exciting to learn about like these new worlds. I agree. I think there was a very cool uh, world building going on here. 
there were just some nice quirks, especially coming in with that very first scene and then jumping from that first scene to the next scene with the captain and Zoe was really great world building and kind of gave you an intro right away to this world that's similar to ours, but definitely not ours. I could jump on with Mo's high point as well. I am a huge fan of post-apocalyptic. I don't necessarily know if this show was supposed to be post-apocalyptic, but the Outer Rim is, is definitely a mess. And I definitely appreciate space. And I think that's not to, not to go outside the pilot too much, but I think that's one of the things that really appealed to me for this show is I really like Firefly's perspective on on a galactic community versus the very popular Star Trek in Star Wars, where I just don't really think they capture what would really be going on, I guess, post-Earth civilization of human beings. I, I don't know. I mean, I would say elements of Star Wars are Firefly-y. Definitely. There's smugglers in Star Wars. I was going to bring that up later, but yes. An empire and whatnot. This is kind of the flip side of the Star Trek future because the Star Trek future is believe in the government and everything's going to be great and humanity will band together eventually. No matter how much like evidence we have that that will probably not happen, human history to this point. Well, not just humanity too, right, with Star Trek? Yeah, but I think they're assuming that humanity will get their shit together enough to be recognized by other species and Firefly is kind of not... Firefly doesn't have <laughs> that much faith in humanity. Like Star Trek seems to have a lot and Firefly is kind of like, no, like... Extra technology will not make people better human beings. That is my point on the perspective. Star Wars is just way out there, this huge galactic empire. And then Fireflies definitely has a lot of similarities as far as you have rebels and you have the empire. And so Firefly is taking from that, but their perspective on like the struggle between the people in power and the people not in power, I think is captured a lot better than in Star Wars. Yeah, I think that Star Wars is very black and white, and Star Wars is not very nuanced. It's all ages, so that little kids can understand and older people can appreciate it. Firefly is not that direct. Right, it's not just good versus evil. Um, but wait, who are the rebels? The captain? Is he technically considered a rebel? Is this... He was. Or did I miss something? It's there, but, but it's not explicitly said. He was a rebel, right? Okay. It's more like an Easter egg if you've been in the show, but the very first scene is supposed to be the last decisive battle of the Outer Rim planets fighting the Alliance of Planets. And you're supposed to get the idea that the Captain and Zoe were uh, separatists or rebels. And we are going to discuss that dynamic a little more later on. So I think we can move on on Mo's high point. Great high point, Mo. Well, I was going to say my high point is very similar, kind of dovetails a little bit with Mo's high point. So I will talk about my issues with this show soon. But one thing that I feel like this pilot really did well was I felt like the ship was a great set. Maybe it's the cinematographer's choices or just the shots that the director chose really made the ship into like a very cool part of the show, almost like a character just because there were so many very specific parts of the ship. The medical bay was very clean, but the engine room was really dirty. The camera followed you going up these stairs and up this hatch into like the cockpit. And then Inara, her shuttle was like really tastefully decorated, but then she pulled it aside and there was like the control panel. So I enjoyed how much deliberate intention there was with the geography of the ship. What'd you guys think? Multifunctional uses. Yeah. Very like, what was it? Feng Shui. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It also had a kind of 
The cargo area felt like an airplane. The common area felt a lot like an actual sea ship, possibly. Mm-hmm. And then you have the cockpit looks like a straight-up spaceship. So it it was definitely incorporating all the different types of ships into its its physical appearance as well. Yeah, it gave it personality. And then um, what I also enjoyed, too, was I like the... I guess sound choice that whenever they were in space, it was like completely like silent, like a vacuum. And I kind of liked that they didn't have any sound effects for when like the engine blew or when they were like doing stuff in the spacesuits. I think it really added to the sense that they were in space. So you're right. They were incorporating other parts of more classic ships or, but then when they went out in space, you could tell that they were like, oh, they're all in spacesuits, And so there's no sound. That's a good call. I didn't catch that. That's true. There's no sound in space. There's nothing for sound to move through. Isn't that like a big loophole for Star Wars oh, too when they show things like blowing up with fire? Yes. Dude, yeah. there's so much noise in the Star Wars space universe. It's ridiculous. It must be the Force. <laughs> it's always yeah. the Force. Everyone's on acid. Everyone's just hearing shit. <laughs> <laughs> My high point is going to be Captain Reynolds. I think he is kind of Mackie-ish. He's kind of a questionable dude as in you're not really sure if you like him you kind of want to like him, but then there's some parts where it's like, well, maybe he's a dick. So I think he, he comes off as the high point. He doesn't take any shit from anyone on his ship, shit on his ship. So he's, uh, that's my high point. Captain Reynolds. He was probably the only character with layers though. Yeah. Like there was some mystery going on. Like they were definitely hiding things about characters just for, I guess, suspense, which we, we could say for a low point didn't work for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But I only felt mystery, an air of mystery around th- the captain. The doctor, a lot, uh, half the people on, on on the ship, you don't really know much about them. But then it all was revealed. Yeah, the doctor gets a reveal, and then the doctor's also a pretty big red herring. Like, they are playing it, they're like, hey, look at this mysterious guy, spooky music cue. <laughs> right, it was like a total buildup, like a lot of like foreshadowing and stuff. I mean, I think we were expected to. I think the most effort was put into Captain Reynolds, but for an hour and 26-minute pilot, really only developing one single character and then not even doing it particularly well. I have something to talk about in terms of the dangling threads, but low points, I can come back to this. I thought the character work was a little bit shoddy. I will say this. My favorite Captain Reynolds parts were whenever he and Zoe were together, there was great chemistry and not romantic chemistry, just like old comrades buddy in arms like they just had good back and forth so that was the time i enjoyed captain reynolds the most and that's also when i thought we saw the most was any time that he and zoe were pitter-pattering back and forth i have a specific aspect of captain reynolds that is going to be my mvp do you have anything else to say about captain reynolds no not really i think we can move on to low points and i'll go ahead and start off because i mean there's a lot of low points to choose from Oh, oh, yeah. Yes, you're correct. The one that stood out the most and bugged the shit out of me was the mole. And then on top of that, his little dinky-ass gun from the American Civil War. Dude, they are 600 or 500 years in the future, and this dude <laughs> has, like, an 1800s, like, 9 millimeter little piece of shit gun. <laughs> what is he going to do with that gun? Who's afraid of that gun? Come on, man. How do you expect me that a Secret Service agent 600 years in the future is going to have this little <laughs> dinky-ass gun? I, I can't remember. He, he looked very shady. 
this kind of comes back to what Mo was saying about like these were not particularly like mysterious people. Like they were they were meant to be mysterious. So like I'd seen the pilot before, but probably the first time I watched it, I was like, who's that skeezy dude? That's a bad guy. That's a weird dude. That's a guy. Yeah, he was not a good mole. They purposely ignore him just so they could be like, ooh, gotcha, it was that guy. And like they totally hyped up the whole music with the doctor. Like if you're watching this show, you're like, okay, I'm supposed to think that the doctor's the bad guy. Ooh, it's not the doctor. It's the little <laughs> dumbass nerdy dude that nobody knows even his name because we haven't seen him at all besides in the background moving his dumbass luggage around. And then he's got this little, <laughs> to top it all off, his stupid ass character has the most stupid ass gun in film history. <laughs> Man, like the preacher's coming to help him and shepherd. be like, oh, the shepherd. The shepherd's like, hey man, these guys are gonna murder you. And then when he opens the door, he like knocks the shepherd out and then it hits him like two more times. And you're like, mm, that seems excessive. Well, he's playing the bad guy role. I wanna remember what this gun looks yeah, like. Yeah, I know. It feels like lazy storytelling. Oh, dude, it was super lazy storytelling. Though everything evolving around the mole is legit low point, dude. Like, that's like <laughs> yeah. just terrible, everything about it. <laughs> This is going to go fit into my low point, which is that everything was just so fucking corny. But didn't the mole have some really corny ass moment during dinner where he wants to like raise a glass or they something? Hmm. The mole had a super corny ass like name. Like I think his name was like, God, what was his name? Who cares? Yeah. He had a stupid like Norman or something. Or maybe somebody cursed at the dinner table and then I feel like the mole just made a dumbass face about the cursing and that guy getting excused by the captain. The mole also had excessive bangs. Like that's a lot of bangs <laughs> for an adult man. <laughs> Even in this weird future. I was like, mm. <laughs> The worst dialogue in the entire show is when Janie is about to torture the dude. And the guy's like, okay, you're obviously too smart for this. And it's like, what the hell? It was like, worst dialogue, even in Buffy. Like, that piece of dialogue was worse than anything in Buffy. And it was just Josh (laughs) Wheaton going back to his roots, man. Getting deep down in his Buffy roots and just some really shitty dialogue. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm reevaluating my my critical opinions of Josh Wheaton. Uh, Mostly, we're going to talk about this. Josh Sweden? No, Josh, Josh Sweden. He's he's a creator of this and Buffy and oh, did a lot oh, of the Avengers did, stuff. He did Buffy and Firefly. Yeah, and then he did Avengers and made a bunch of money. The guy's a big oh, time. I just watched now. Civil War last night. Side note. Nice. Go watch Black Panther. It's amazing. I know I have tickets it's for so Thursday. Ah, we're off topic. I'm sorry. It's okay. Let's jump in. <laughs> Here, can I get a Milo point? Let me move this mic away from my face because. My volume is going to go up. My passion is going to rise. But, um, dude, the low point of this pilot is most of the pilot because this is an hour <laughs> and 26 of, like, just shitty, disjointed mess. Can you be more specific for our for our listeners, Drew? Come on. that's. Uh, yeah, I absolutely can. Um, there is nobody likable in this show. Um, there is no adventure that happens in this show. There are three weird side quests that start this show, and none of them, like, are related to each other. They establish quite a few different things, but like for for an hour and twenty six minutes, I know a lot about the DNA of the show and the background of the show, but not a whole lot about the characters beyond their stereotypes or archetypes. Again, the only real chemistry between two characters is Zoe and Mal, and even then, it's kind of funny. None of nobody's likable. The show wanders here and there, and then it's not really clear when it's over. 
So, yeah, it's a very long pilot to accomplish very little. Because, like, you could have done that in one episode, or you could have done it better with the hour and 26 minutes that you had. So it was too long and accomplished too little. And I don't know if I would want to watch the next episode, too. To build off of that without getting specifically into anything, I completely agree with with, uh, Drew that (laughs) this pilot episode is just not really doing much. It's predictable. It is predictable. In the worst way. In the worst way is it predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, I see. You're the bad guy. You're the guy that we're supposed to think is the good guy, but is actually the bad guy. You're going to just be like peacemaker the whole time. And you're, it's like you said, it's all the archetypes and they're fitting. It's just so perfectly predictable. And this, this is my new term that I might be coining listeners. So I had a limp nostalgia boner the whole time, dude. I had all this excitement just waiting for my nostalgia boner to pop so I could play with it a little bit or something. And dude, I was just straight up limp nostalgia boner, 86 (laughs) minutes. And then I was really hoping at the end of the show that something was going to happen because I, I just knew something cool was going to happen. <laughs> nothing cool nothing happened. Cool happen. Nothing, nothing cool, cool happened. happened. Spoiler warning, nothing cool happens in this pilot. Yeah, listeners, if you haven't watched the show yet, probably don't need don't. to. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Jump, jump in the Skip gun here. This one. Jump, one cool thing. Yeah, one cool thing happened in this pilot. It might be my Crab Man Award, but Jimbo has gotten mad at me before for choosing a non-character as a Crab Man. So. Takes away the uh, man part of the Crab Man Award. But yeah, go go ahead, Drew. One one cool thing happened, and I I can bring it up here, but Wash playing with his dinosaurs oh my gosh, was so adorable, no, and I enjoyed not. that quite a bit. It was I have a lot of love for that character. Watch all thirteen episodes in the movie. That was one of my low points, dude. That was a super low point. That was just Wash his dinosaurs. Yeah, that was the dinosaur story was more interesting than the Firefly story. I would have watched eighty six minutes of that of those two dinosaurs. With that dialogue, as opposed to what I did end up watching. Well, it was was better than the interrogation scene. That's about it. (laughs) Yep. That Yeah, that was... What did he do that made him sound... That seemed so smart? What did he say? Nothing. It was stupid dialogue. I thought he... I almost feel like the guy was trying to trick Janie, because Janie's a dumbass. So I wasn't sure if he was like, oh, you're obviously too smart. Like, if... But it didn't come off like he was trying to trick him. I'm like stretching to, to, to interpret it that way because he does trick him. But it did not come off as him trying to trick him. It just came off as, who, as like a five-year-old. Janie gets tricked. Does he? I mean, how, maybe that guy just has a knife. I mean, it's ambiguous, but it's also, it could also just be bad acting. You know, that dude, I don't see him in other stuff. Very clear in the pilot episode that, that Janie sells out Captain Reynolds. Yeah. That's not, that's not did, a secret. He did it. Um, oh, well, did. I think he did both. You know, I think he saves him in the mean? handoff scene. Well, I think he decides to save him in the handoff scene because he doesn't shoot him in the head when he's covering him with the sniper rifle. But he may or may not have given the guy a razor blade. I think he probably pulls Dude, he out of his did. plan it was, when it he was... realizes it's not going to work. Right? Yeah. Possibly. Like he realizes it's not going to work, and so he's maybe used better judgment, but not because he wanted to be a good person. If he kills Reynolds in the exchange scene, I mean, he might not even make it back to the ship alive. If he kills Mal in the exchange scene, there's a better than average chance that Zoe gets popped. You know, he could also just shoot Zoe with that sniper rifle. He could just pop them both. Yeah, that would be the best thing he, that he could do. We need to introduce bad acting into the equation here. Okay, there's there's definitely bad acting, but throughout the plot of the show, it's it's not explicitly stated, but it's implied that he sells them out. Like, that's... Me, I mean, me and Mo both saw it that way. I, 
obviously that's not the only way to interpret it because you because you did not but i think most viewers saw it that way and i think that was the intentions i see it both ways i just think that jane played both sides of the fence that's selling that's selling someone out then oh i know okay yeah he didn't follow through on the sellout though i think i think that's different i think there's full sellout which would have been shooting them both i think there's not handing the dude a razor which would have been full not sell out and i think jane did both which is somewhere in between that's which, selling out dude why, come on why would the captain who he kind of they they sell him as being this intelligent person but why would he keep a guy like Janie around i guess because he can shoot a sniper rifle and sneak up on folks Janie's the muscle but yeah it's just He's like ruthless it just doesn't it doesn't really make sense mm. This is another low point. The, yeah, like the characterization of some of the characters, like we were we were being asked to do a lot. You know, like the show is asking us for a lot of faith and just being like, hey, listen and go with this. And no, fuck you, earn it. And also like make me believe it. Don't just be like, whoa, look at how cool this cool space cowboy is. What a cool swaggery dude. And drag us along for an yeah. hour and a half. Yeah. And listeners, the reason we're dragging this low point on is to give you a, a little That's feel what it was like to watch what Firefly. the episode felt like. <laughs> yes. So this is this is a uh, so this long. is artistically done from us. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's time to end it. I think the listeners get the well, point yeah. here. What's um, Mo's low point? We already got it. She said it was Yeah, okay. It, I just cheesy. Yeah. There were so many cheesy. Yes. Oh wait, can I describe one last you can, cheesy ass scene? Sure. Who was the mechanic girl? Kaylee maybe. Yeah. Kaylee. The fact that we don't remember her name is not a good sign. She like almost dies and it's really dramatic, but also like I wish they just let her die, but she doesn't. And then the ship's like breaking or some shit and they just like drag her and just place her in the room and she's just like pointing for them to push buttons that she could just very well push. Do you remember that scene? Yes, unfortunately. It was so, it was the worst. It was so anticlimactic and they were the music was not matching the the acting at all. Like it was all high intensity, <laughs> but it was bad. It was bad. That that was really uh, the lowest point I think for me. And I was like, can Janie just literally get thrown off this goddamn ship? Yeah. No, not not Kaylee. Janie. Kaylee. Kaylee. All of them. Yeah. All of them. Abort. Kaylee was like a like a good <laughs> Mormon girl acting like someone on drugs. Yep. You know, like this girl just has no idea what it's like to be on drugs, so she's just acting weird. It's not working. Right. She was all yeah. like positive. Ugh, I can't. Yeah. Okay, enough. Yeah, enough. that is a lot of low points. <laughs> but uh, real quick yeah. before we... We didn't even get them all. Well, we didn't hit them all. I mean, I can keep going. <laughs> but like this, this was a nostalgia betrayal. Mm. Yeah, limp, limp nostalgia yep. boner. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, before we move on to the crab man... Should be hold on. Should should we coin it a limp biscuit? That's what we could call. That's what we could call nostalgia yep. trails. I had a limp biscuit yeah. in this one. Okay, listeners, that's it. That's Some the limp term. Biz. Limp biscuit. Goodness. Uh-uh, it's yeah. all about the nookie. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> you did it Man. all for the nookie. No, no nookie, nookie in nookie. this limp yeah. biscuit. <laughs> Gotta have food. So moving on. Food. All right, we're, yeah, we're gonna move on. <laughs> okay. We're we're gonna move on to <laughs> yep. Crab Man, and Mo's gonna try and sell us on a Go Crab ahead, Man. Mo. Good luck, Mo. I mean, I tried because you don't have to. Crabless so, is an option. So my, I know. I mean, like, it is, but also this did happen in the first five minutes of the pilot, so I was still optimistic, and I still had, you know, the bias of everyone telling me how amazing Firefly is. So I was, 
I wasn't yet. All right, like, go. Tell us. <laughs> hit, hit, hit us with it. He has no name. He's a nameless crab man. And he's in the opening scene where the rebels lose the war. And the captain looks at him and promises him that he's too good looking to die. And then he dies. And he dies in a very sad, basic-ass way. But it really got me. I felt sad. I felt did you sad really? for the whole thing. And I I did. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. And then, and then seeing, like, the following scene where the captain was so, like, defeated and... It pulled me in in the first five minutes, and it had a lot to do with that character dying and painting the picture of what it was like during that civil war, whatever that was. I still want to know. I still want to know what was happening at that time that that kid died. Okay, so Mo, it was, imagine the last battle of the civil war, the last big battle of the civil war. That's that's the, that's the setting of that of that fight scene. But I wanted to understand more of like the politics and what the show ad- the show addresses that the second episode addresses that which we will get to in the dangling threads but yeah mo that's a legitimate crab man okay. my my crab man is again wash his two little dinosaurs no dude that's not story. a man man come on stop well, it, dude. i'm interested what I'm he could have done i'm putting my foot i would have i would have rather watched 86 minutes <laughs> of wash's story that's fine dude that's that's you know talk to josh weed and he's probably got he could probably write a really good story for that one i'd be fine with that <laughs> well, Mo, I don't, I, I don't endorse your crab, man. But I won't stand in its way if Jimbo likes it. Okay. You know what? Fair. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think he was crab man worthy. I think, I think the scene, if he would have done anything, I really don't think he did anything. If so, I mean, was his patheticness the the crab man is like is like it sounds like that's like he was just so pathetic kind of seems like the juxtaposition of like he's a prop though he's a prop for mal like it's to show us that his spirit is broken like i'm not sure he's like if Wash's dinosaurs are not characters then this guy who died just to show that like malcolm reynolds (laughs) is a broken man is not a character either He's a prop, <laughs> and he served his purpose. Yeah, Mo, I'm gonna have to it shut was him like down. Solid Mo. introduction. I'm gonna have to shut All him right, down, fine. Mo. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not. I honestly don't feel like <laughs> good. So. Yeah, uh, Mo, you're the Captain Mal Reynolds <laughs> of our podcast. Now, hold on. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I I have prop. something off subject, and this and this is just feeding right into it. Mo, did you did you read Zero's comments? I did. So, listeners, if you haven't read Zero's comments yet, it's worth your time. Zero accused Mo of liking any TV show with some cute guys in it. And guess what? Guess who Mo has Uh-oh. has a little hard on for? The cute guy in the opening scene of Firefly, dude. <laughs> yeah. He was, he, he was Pacey-esque. Uh, excuse me. No, I, you told us what your type was. I was going to respond. I was going to respond to Zero in. Oh, hell yeah. Here's no, yeah. Okay. Wait, hold for the Zero, shop talk. Zero, stick around for the shop talk. Mo's, Mo's going to address you. Yeah, but to address that point. I feel like Zero's just hearing what he wants to hear. And I definitely always advocate for all the female characters. That's true. That's also. true. Okay. Stay, stick around to see what Mo really yeah. thinks of Zero. <laughs> stay for the shop talk. The I don't know why people don't stay for the shop talk. <laughs> They're going to stay this week. If they made it this far, they're going to stick Good around. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and now a word from our sponsor, which is a fellow podcast. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm the Believer. I'm Cody. I'm the Skeptic. And together we are BSP, 
The Idiot Syncrasy Files. The podcast where two idiots discuss weird phenomena. This week we're talking about ghosts. I believe in ghosts. Why? There's too much weird stuff in the world for it to be coincidental. See, I don't, because ghosts are souls, and shirts, pants, and jockstraps do not have souls. These ghosts should be naked. My jockstrap has a soul. <laughs> Moving on. Join us every week when we talk about cool phenomena ranging from... Skinwalkers to Simulacra. There you go. Bye. Find us on Google Play, iTunes, and all those other podcasting places. Or visit us at www.bspodphx.com. Welcome back, listeners. We are going to move into MVP. Drew, why don't you start us off? My MVP for this show is just the world that, you know, Whedon has built. This is not a good pilot in terms of telling a story. But this is an excellent pilot in terms of building a world. Uh, it's very much a Blade Runner future with like, it's a little bit dirty and Asian cultures kind of suffused everything, although there don't appear to be many Asian people. I miss the Asian vibe. There's no Asian people. There's, There's no Chinese. Asian people, but they're eating noodles. <laughs> They've kind of, they're working some casual Mandarin words into their slang. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're, okay. It's pretty I, cool. I yeah, we, could, we, we can touch on that in the dangling We might. There's well. quite a few dangling threads. There's a lot. What I think is cool is I, I listen to this other podcast that talks about pop culture and like comic book writing. And they use this phrase called like the sandbox or the toy chest. And it's basically this idea that like good creators like create toys and they put those toys into a sandbox or a toy chest and other people can take them out and play with them. And the best people always put in more than they take out. Zack Snyder is a guy who took the Batman and Superman toys out and broke them. And now other people can't play with them for a couple of years. But it seems like Joss Whedon made a really cool toy chest, a really cool sandbox, and there's a lot of places to go. Like, Mo didn't like this pilot, but she just wants to know about, like, the conflict and the war and, like, the politics. So I think that speaks to the background of this show and the premise being really cool, but the execution being flawed. So that's my, that's my MVP. Yeah, and that, and that kind of, I think, ties into what, to Mo's high point in my reference to doing it better than, than Star Wars I think their dynamic between the others and the people in power, I guess they have the potential to develop a lot cooler story than what Star Wars puts out. Yeah, I agree. There was still, even after an hour and a half of being dragged through a pretty lame story plot and character development, I still walked away wanting to know more and wanting to understand the, the sandbox that you so beautifully painted. So yeah, good good job world building, Joss Whedon. We there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Just again, dialogue and character interactions and pacing and tone, and uh, a lot of other storytelling stuff are things that you should work on for your pilots. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is a bit of a sympathy MVP as well. Mm. Well, it's like it's a cheap thrill. It's a cheap right. It, I think Drew's stretching kind of... for an MVP. No, I I really do think that this is <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Wonderfalls and its potential MVP was very much a pity MVP. This is very much, no, it's kind of there, and it's consistent throughout the show, and then it also pulls into the movie too. So I, it seems very much that he had a direction and an idea for this world, and it's there. It's in the pilot, but that's kind of he invested the most in creating that world and not so much in the actors and the dialogue and the direction. Okay, fair, fair point. Mo, can you tell us about your MVP? I hope mine doesn't come off as a pity MVP because I really did like this character, but the 
the companion, her name, I I looked up her name, it's Inara. Her storyline, I was intrigued by, and it was more or less better developed than the others. And I just found it really interesting what the concept of a companion or what we would call a sex worker um, in in this futuristic time. I don't know. She she didn't just seem like any other companion sex worker that you see in other TV shows. She had control over herself. She wasn't doing it for like money or any kind of other reasons. So I don't know. I appreciated her and I appreciated her dynamics with the captain. He was obviously into her and trying to have her. And there was one scene where dumb Kaylee, whatever her name is, the mechanic, she did have one good part where she asks Inara if she's like convinced some man to give her, give him all his riches or something like that. I don't remember, but she was just so like coy and casually a bad queen companion. And I appreciated her character. So here I am, zero, pointing out the female characters. (laughs) Um, (laughs) picking a female as my mvp she is a strong character she holds a lot of power in that episode as well she doesn't hold as much power as malcolm but she sticks up to him and she pushes back more than anyone else in that episode and there is maybe this the beginning of a nice dynamic playing out between them we we could maybe question some of the scenes and maybe objectifying her but but for the most part it's it's not your it's not your cliche portrayal of a sex worker. She is not being punched down on. I think we can talk about her without objectifying her because she is subjectively and objectively gorgeous. It's interesting to watch some of these pilots because a lot of times you'll have like a star, but then also you'll get some younger or maybe not younger, but just like less famous actors and actresses. And then we're watching some of these shows that are ten or fifteen years old, but at the time you still think, well, who's going to be a star? Or like, who has a lot of charisma? Who has that it factor? Who am I paying attention to in an ensemble scene? And you pay attention to Inara a lot. You know, like your eye is drawn to her. And she's a star. She is, you know, and you think that. And then even after, like, this show was like 13 episodes, but Inara shows up on Homeland. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Inara. And then Inara's in Deadpool. So she did become a star. She's in Gotham. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that she's also a high point because of, her physical beauty and her charisma to add to it because her acting choices and her confidence are shown too. So that's a good MVP Mo. And yeah, if, if, if Captain Reynolds gets the most screen time and the most development Inara gets the second most, I think she gets a lot of like time to shine. And well, she does a lot with the little time she does have too. Well, yeah, it's because they just give a ton of time to the captain. And she's also there. They're in, she's the one with all the hookups. Like they, like they are reliant on her. Oh Yeah said that earlier when I was talking about she's a you know character with power she, like they like they need her right there's that scene the captain tries to assert himself and assert his power over her and she just responds saying like you can't just storm in here unless I'm late on the rent and last time I fucking checked I'm not late on your on your rent so you can <laughs> excuse yourself <laughs> yeah she just doesn't take shit from anyone and even when that guy calls her a whore literally just dirt off her shoulder yeah, and she's <laughs> she's like onto the next. Captain basic. Reynolds is shitting on her say. the whole show. He calls her ambassador, and the and the shepherd actually thinks she's an ambassador. And <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that that Sweet, was a cool scene. Shepherd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a cute little dynamic you know what, too. You know what? The shepherd. I think the shepherd was almost 
you know worthy of mention too. He he almost he almost made it into a high point, but not quite. He was there. He was like well, hovering over the <laughs> the high point. It's hard to find crab people in like ensemble dramas because the thing is like there were a lot of really solid supporting actors and actresses in the shield but because it was an ensemble drama well lamar lamar was awesome yeah, so i mean did. he would have been there anyway but like for example like these shows that have a lot of different characters the shepherd may have done crab man like things but he's a featured player no, you know? yeah, like sure. no he wasn't even a contender for crab man yeah, but he was a supporting guy who gave more than he took. Yeah, that's true. Good stuff. Jimbo, your MVP. All right, so my MVP. So I'm I'm going back to the opening scene, and I'm going back to Reynolds. And there was a few subtle things in that MVP. Or sorry, there's a few subtle things in that opening scene that, that stood out that are my MVP. For one... They, they mentioned the valley. So this battle is going on in Serenity Valley. And so that's like a little hint. Like that's the name of the ship. That's also the name of the pilot episode. And it's also the eventual name of the movie. And the whole like Serenity theme, it's in, the, it's in their theme song. And just this idea of like having Serenity. So I think like that little subtle thing, the fact that the last battle is going on in Serenity Valley, I think was a nice little Easter egg. And the only reason I noticed that is because I started watching the episode last night for the second time, and I and I, and I caught it on, on the second viewing. The other thing, there's there's one more thing that happens in that opening scene that I missed the first time, but I caught the second time, is that at one point, Reynolds takes out a cross from around his neck, and he kisses it. And I don't remember exactly what he says, but you, you could tell he has faith that that a God or some almighty being is not going to let them lose this war. Like he thinks they're on the higher ground. They're fighting a just war and that they're going to win it. And he's so into that fight and that victory. And, and then the whole episode, like you, like you can tell this dude has no faith. He's very clear about, you know, the shepherd can be on board, but he better not talk to him about God or any, like any of that junk. And so like that opening scene kind of shows you what is, what has happened to Reynolds as a character. And so that's my MVP, those little subtle Easter eggs in that opening scene. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good detail in the opening scene. I I do like what you're saying about Reynolds knowing that he's right because the more you learn about the rebels and like the larger forces, you know, you just picture him as this zealot, you know, as this like true believer because he's not just a rebel in the war. He's an officer in the rebel in the war. And he's like giving a pep talk to a kid and he runs and grabs like the artillery gun and shoots down a ship. And yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's great when he thinks that he hears the ships that he thinks are his ships and they're not, you know, they're the Alliance ships. Like he is broken in that scene. It's a good scene. That's a good MVP. That was a good opening scene. That's why I try to give that guy the crab man. Yeah. He, I mean, but... dude, he, he just had to do one thing, anything. <laughs> Pro- Props aren't crabbing. Yeah. <laughs> he could have got it for me. Just, just something. one I mean, shoot back, huh? thing. If he would have done anything, even like a blink or like sniffed his nose, like he just needed a, any little <laughs> sign of life. <laughs> he was scared. Scared. That young yeah. actor was so excited. He's like, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be on a Joss Whedon space drama, Firefly. Yeah, I'm one of the rebels. <laughs> yeah. Poor kid. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i agree jumbo that was a good 
opening scene. I'm still intrigued and definitely. I want maybe maybe during shop talk you can tell me what what happens. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. good. So yeah, viewers, yeah, totally. stay, stick around for for shop talk. Maybe even mm-hmm. the petard. It might even make the petardar. It could. That's and good. so we we have some threads to dangle, and yes, so I kind of feel like we talked about one of mine already and we can maybe just have one final chance to, to throw in a last a last word but I feel like the brown coats that's that's Reynolds and the rebels they lost the war and I feel like that's kind of like the civil war in a way not necessarily the civil war because I'm, I'm not saying that they were slave you know owners or whatnot but but like how do you move on with your life after the war is over like you're on the losing side but you still have to continue on with life and Reynolds is deciding to be a smuggler and kind of a shady dude and that's and that's kind of it's kind of like maybe like a Han Solo-ish character so what so what are your guys' opinions on that I mean it's I think it's hard to pair Reynolds experience with like an American war you know because it's not like he's a revolutionary in the revolutionary war because like well, they, the rebels won. They won. No, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why I said and like then, the Civil War. Oh yeah, but I mean in the Civil War, like I think he wants to be somewhat sympathetic. So I mean, yeah, you're right. Like slavery is not mentioned, but I don't know if there's necessarily. I'm trying to think of like one where it'll be like, I don't know, maybe like Afghani's in the 80s versus like the Russians. But I mean, it's not like the Russians won. Let I me jump know. in. It does. It doesn't matter the the dynamics between right and wrong. But when the South lost the war, they still had to exist they still had to live their lives after the war. Like they lost, like they, you know, they still have to continue on with life or the, you know, they can shoot themselves in the face or something. But like with it, but within eight years of reconstruction, the white people still had like all of the power and their lives were still pretty good. Okay. That's fair. Even though they had lost the civil war. So it's not like, I mean the white people in power did, but how about, I mean, there was plenty of, of low class white people as well in the, who still had more social mobility and upward mobility than the poor black people or even the rich black people or somewhat more. So, I mean, I know. So, I mean, we're getting way, out, way off the point. If yeah. you can just say like, you think it's bullshit, that's fine. Then we can just move on. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I think you're right. It's a very cool dynamic as in like, where do the rebels go when they've lost yeah, their you're cause? You're just trying to find like a more comparable. Yeah. A better war. one. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a good answer off the top of my head. Mo, what do you think? I think Captain Reynolds definitely, decides to be a smuggler because it's still kind of like a fuck you to the man maybe yeah. it's like his own little mini form of resistance and but I, I don't know if what else is going on in this alternate universe are there people actually that are radicals and resisting hard or is everyone really. just submissive and afraid of the re- reavers which i want to talk about the reavers yeah what the hell's going yeah, on there? oh that's actually we'll that, there. that could have made, maybe been a high point that was a cool scene. I mean, that's part of the same that's part of the sandbox, you yeah, know, like it is. he's putting that stuff it, out there. But then that bitch had to ruin it. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't yeah. that the scene where they were trying to escape and then the Kaylee, Kyla, whatever had to be like carried to the room. Yeah, that <laughs> and she ruined the whole scene. Man. Yeah. Mo, <laughs> Mo, you, you. C Zero, Mo doesn't like all the ladies. Like Mo likes the awesome women and it just has no time for yeah, these weird <laughs> mechanics who are not very mechanical. Although she was, she was knowledgeable. But oh, it's she just, was great. Yeah. I was, I liked that the woman. Was yeah, there she was super knowledgeable. Never she mind. She was annoying. Yeah, she needed to stand up. Yeah, she was like a little. All right, girl. let's let's okay. move on to our next dangling thread. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here because this is this is Jimbo's favorite part of the podcast when Drew admits how completely wrong he was. Nice. So, 
a couple weeks ago, yep. more like a month actually, on the Wonderfalls episode, I just got real uppity in my own feelings and angry at network executives about how they ruin these shows. And then Jimbo and I found out through some research that the network executives felt very much the way that we did, that this was a pile of hot garbage. And so they made Joss Whedon go back and retool the second episode of the whole show into the first show they aired. So if you go to Hulu or if you get the DVD set and you watch the second episode of the whole series, that is actually the pilot episode that aired on Fox. And I watched it, and I think Jimbo watched part of it. It is way the fuck better for many reasons. Did you know this before you made us watch the hour and a half one? No. No, sorry. Okay. <laughs> but Mo, it's way better and does... Yeah. You know how I said I didn't like any of the characters and I didn't get the plot or the tone in the hour and 26 minutes of the pilot? Yeah. The second episode does all of it in like 41 and a half minutes. Actually, the second episode probably does it in like 35 minutes and there's seven minutes of like, enjoy these characters that you've now come to know. So annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) Fox had a very odd run with Firefly. They switched what day it showed. They started with episode two. They they skipped around episodes, and I don't know the exact order. Someone can look it up, but it goes something crazy like two, three, like seven, eight. They actually ended yeah. the series with the pilot, oh. and big surprise, no one wanted to watch it after the pilot. Hmm. But um, <laughs> but 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 we watched the legit pilot, and I feel like that was the right thing to do, because that I mean this was the pilot. Mm. I mean there was kind of like a Fair. like a two pilot because as Drew mentioned, Fox said hell no. Yeah. Rightfully so. Good job, Network Executives. Like, I was showing my internal biases. Mm. And the second episode starts off. There's there's some some telling, straight up telling. And Drew, I don't know. I actually appreciated it. The it starts off. I liked it. I also yes. liked it. The shepherd and, and the tells shepherd's us like pretty much painting the scene. And there's you know so you're like watching this. You're you're watching some videos and some clips. And the shepherd's kind of telling you what's going on in the world. And Mo, you you would have had a way better idea of the dynamics because all the explicit things that you had to kind of connect the dots for in the first episode, the shepherd just straight up tells you in the second episode. He explains it. Yeah. Mm, it and so nice. and so you very much have a good idea of what's going on in this world. And what the shepherd did in maybe 30 seconds or 60 seconds max, the other show took 80 something minutes to develop. And so yeah, yeah. it just gets you like right mm. into what's going mm. on. It does. And then the one last thing I want to say about the actual pilot is uh, I was pushing back on your high point of Captain Mal Reynolds in the high points because I think the second episode just did such a better job of making him who you come to love on the show. You know, he's, he does, he has lost hope. He does have this edge to him, but you see his humor, you see his warmth. Um, but you also see like his brutality or like what he's willing to do. Because in the first episode in the pilot, we watched, there's this real quick scene where like, Captain Reynolds and Zoe get back from this thing and the stupid government agent is like holding Kaylee hostage or something or someone hostage and Reynolds walks in and shoots him in the face and they just leave. And you're supposed to be like, whoa, like, I don't know how you're supposed to feel like, oh, he's a badass or, oh, he does what he wants or, oh, he doesn't care about killing. You know, it's a lot of mixed messages. In the second episode, basically there's this like second tier villain who's like the bad guy's right hand man. And he has, like, this weird face tattoo, and he has a hook knife, and he's all intimidating. And, like, Mal tells him, like, dude, I'm going to give you this money. Go back to your boss. I'm not going to follow through on the deal, but we're cool. 
And the bad guy is like, I will find you. I will find you. My boss will cut you into pieces. And you will never see you. I'll be the last face you see before you die. And Reynolds, like, kicks him into the engine of the <laughs> ship and he explodes. <laughs> and I think that that really accomplished more what Whedon wanted for the character, which is this guy does not have a ton of regard for human life. But, you know, he's kind of witty and sardonic. It's a dark humor. And I think that was a better... It was almost a mirror image of the scene, but just done better. So, Jimbo, go ahead. I think what they're doing is, unfortunately, the rest of the pilot did not. The rest of the pilot was so cliche, stereotypical. But that one scene was like, no nonsense, just shoot the guy. Every other action movie would have drawn that scene out. It would have ended up being like the two having a fist fight. And that shit just gets annoying, dude. And Reynolds, he's not going to partake in any of this nonsense. If He's just going to pop your ass or kick your ass in the engine. And so, like, I, I feel like that was, like, a rebel against cliche action plot points where they just stretch things out. Agreed. But I just think that the second episode did it way oh, better. for sure. And the second one the does. the first episode was just, like, it was kind of confused. Well, it was rushed, but I, I, I actually appreciated it. Rushed hour and 26 minutes. No, that scene Nothing was rushed. Nothing was rushed. No, that scene was rushed. Like, we don't need to have a stupid, like, fight scene. We already had a, that once or twice. Like that last scene, you mean? With him... Throwing that guy out the, off the ship and stuff. Yeah. I wish I saw the second one. You still can. <laughs> you still could, but you'd be better served watching The yeah. Shield. Yeah. So, Mo, maybe you and I can jump into this last dangling thread. Well, we I, kind have, of I have one cursed. more dangling oh. thread also if, if we have time what? for it. It's it's not on the show notes, We already Jimbo. discussed it, man. It's, oh. What, the reverse? It's, no, it's an easy one. The Chinese. Oh, go ahead. They speak Chinese. Oh, yeah. You're speaking a language... <laughs> Of a country that the creators of the show are assuming are going to have some power in the future, and there's not a single Chinese person. Now, granted, right. a lot of it's going on in the outer rim, so maybe the Chinese people are all inner rim, but it's a little fishy going on that you have a bunch of people speaking Chinese, and there's not even there's not even one character that looks half Asian. Well, if the Chinese people are controlling the inner rim, then why wouldn't any of the Alliance people have any Chinese features that, or that was Asian a sympathy features? stretch drew I have okay. no idea uh, that's what I'm saying okay. like that like that's the only like thing that I could think of that would maybe somewhat justify it but it doesn't even make sense either go ahead Mo but Simon's the annoying, from the inner and he's not the annoying Chinese, mechanic right. w- looked half Asian to me okay maybe she looked half Asian she, she's like it's a ginger like Asian proportion. mix <laughs> she, she's gonna be like your daughter we don't have any gingers in my family but <laughs> Any what? Gingers. 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 Ginger. Was she ginger? Kind of not really. No, if, but she she looks like a ginger Asian mix. That's, that was the thing I said originally. Okay. Oh, I missed that. Well, All right, listeners. Okay. Right. Make your own, right. you know, make your own um, Where are the Chinese judgments people? about that. Where's the Chinese <laughs> yeah. people? Moving on. One more sure. dangling thread here. <laughs> yeah, so Mo and I kind of wandered off into this dangling thread together, but went at it in different ways. So, Mo, do you want to talk about your take on the sex workers and I'll jump in with mine. There was a certain scene and I watched this so long ago that I can't recall it exactly, but Inara came off to me. I mean, apart from whatever we've, we've already said about her and being a, a powerful representation of a sex worker or a companion. And I don't know again, if it was the apocalyptic vibes too, but she felt like a Mary Magdalene symbol to me juxtaposed next to this broken. What is captain? Morgan was he? Reynolds. So wait, Reynolds. Captain Reynolds is the Christ-like figure. No, oh. no, yeah, no. I what do you like... think, Mo? 
Well, okay, I'm not Christian, so I don't know the story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. So Mary Magdalene's a prostitute or something, isn't she? She was a prostitute yeah. that like that Jesus takes in and forgives her, and then and she essentially is was with him when he died. She's like one of the women that, that like was there. I don't know. Maybe she like wiped his face with the blood. Hmm. Yeah, you okay. know, um, I, I can. Maybe not. No, 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 I no. That's, Sorry to all that's, so, so then really does cool. that make does that make Reynolds the Christ-like figure? It would. I feel like it would be Reynolds. Yeah, hmm. or maybe the shepherd because they had an interesting scene, and then maybe Reynolds would be like. Um... I see it a little bit different, but 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 I like the comparison. I think maybe she's more the savior of Captain Reynolds. Like she could be whatever it is that's going to maybe possibly save him. Okay. Okay. I like the inversion. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. she's, yeah. or she's the one that can maybe put him into that savior position, or or she could, I mean, or she could do potentially what you guys are saying Jesus did for Mary Magdalene and like fix him. Yeah, that's well, that, you know, yeah, that's or what I was thinking. Take him in. Yeah. Right. Um. So maybe, maybe. Yeah. So I, I like that. I kind of looked at the idea of prostitution and sex working more through the lens of like the old west. Like so many parts of this show are like pulling the old west into um into space and so i because my co-hoisters told me to did some research about prostitution and and madams in the old west and our our conversation was basically right that much like sex workers anywhere in the world or in history um they were definitely taken advantage of and life was not good for a lot of them but I did find research and I did find an article called Tainted Doves from True Old West Magazine, which talked about madams, like women who ran brothels and women who kind of made a lot of money um, through the sex trade. And it was more or less part of the American West um, up until the article said the end of prostitution and madams being a part of the American West ended because of three things. Um, statehood. So starting in the 1820s, like the old West started to become U S states. And so they were put to more stringent laws. Um, the temperance movement of the 1870s started to really crack down on like the quote unquote moral, um, you know, people going and seeing prostitutes and whatnot and drinking a lot of alcohol. Uh, the military started cracking down on their soldiers going and getting venereal diseases because there was a quotation in the article about how a military colonel said that a man who goes on leave to Billings, Montana is not like ready to come back and be a soldier for like five days. It was kind of cool how he said it in old timey person language. And then prohibition in 1919 also really restricted the sale of alcohol. And so a lot of the brothels were selling alcohol. So there was a golden age of women and prostitution being legitimate in the old West while still sex workers were taken advantage of. But it only lasted like a hundred years. Are are we just dangling, or are are you saying that maybe the outer rim is kind of like the Wild West stage, where you ha- they haven't fully developed the outer rim, kind of as like the you know the Wild West? It's not exact. I think the I think the outer rim is the Wild West, yes. and I think that's what Captain Reynolds responds to. But I don't think it's an exact match because I feel like in the pilot, Inara talks about how she's from the inner worlds, and so she has more prestige as like a companion. A sex worker in the outer rims so it's not an exact matchup uh, we kind of mentioned this as well but i think it is nice to see a woman of power that's that's making a decision to be a sex worker instead of a woman that's kind of back against the wall and that really does it in that's i think that's more of the woman we see 
in film and media or just like a slutty character, which I think is unfair. To touch on your Wild West or Old West comparison, Drew, in that kind of media and cinema or whatever with that kind of theme, the sex workers are always mistreated to an extent by by men. And, and that's kind of, I mean, the Tainted Dove sounds like that's kind of what was happening. And also the power that they hold are in grungy like bars and saloons where it's I don't know it's like violent and not elegant in the way that it was with with Inara in this in this one in Firefly yeah the article and the research very much backs that up that the actual sex workers and the actual prostitutes did not have the leisure and prestige it was more the madams and the women who like ran the prostitutes so I don't know. I was really channeling um, the Clint Eastwood movie Unforgiven for like that was before mm-hmm. I did my research. I was like, that's a problem. We shouldn't we shouldn't base our historical facts and evidence on movies and television. Yeah. <laughs> even today, even Amsterdam, Fair. the women in Amsterdam, dude, most of them are foreigners. And who knows how much choice they had in their. Oh, 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 oh. Speaking of that. In the article, it actually talked about how um, in Salt Lake City, um, before Utah became a state, they tried to uh, have the city government commoditize the prostitution. And so they made an Amsterdam, like a red light district in Salt Lake City, where they tried to have legal prostitution. But there were all kinds of issues. Like people didn't want to be seen to go into that area. And then also the local cops were still raiding it and seizing it. But sorry, you brought up Amsterdam. And I was like, guess where America's Amsterdam was? Guess where the red light district of the Old West was? Salt Lake motherfucking city. Nice. Wait, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, go, Jimbo. Sorry. I think I said what I've had to say. All right. All right, Mo. The Reavers. Um, is, this, is this a dangling thread? Cannibals? Yeah, the Reavers are space cannibals. They're space cannibals. So, so there, so there was an important line where Zoe's explaining the Reavers, and she says something. This isn't a direct quote, but rape you to death, cut you up, and eat you, and hopefully, if you're lucky, in that order. Oh, yeah. I remember that okay, line what is more it? accurately, say, okay, and it was it. like rape you, kill you, and sew your skin into their suits, and then she was like, and hopefully, in that order. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll take that. Yeah. Up. So I think I think the sewing the skin into the suits was supposed to be the the kicker, but I was like, I don't want to get raped first. Yeah, I'd rather die first and get raped second. <laughs> yeah, you could totally kill me first. Like Reavers, <laughs> like I don't know why I would want one before the other because I mean, like I don't want that to be the last. thing I think that that's why she like, said rape to death. Yeah. Mm, well, I'm think, I'm too lazy to go back yeah, and listen to that's it. Fine, listeners. If anyone you know has, if anyone recalls that, you can. Put a comment on the webpage, which is getting a lot of action. Get on the boards. All right, so I think I'm ready to go to the watch or rewatch. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, listeners, especially our our Southern Oregon listeners, if you are in Jackson or Josephine County and you are in need of an engineer, wait no longer. Fitzgerald Engineering Services, President William Fitzgerald, professional licensed engineer he is ready to do your geotechnic engineering he looks at the soil and shit to include such such tasks as subgrade investigation real estate inspections 
or foundation certification. And if you're one of those super rich people in Southern Oregon and you need some traffic engineering at your home, he is an expert in sign, signal, and temporary traffic control design. You can leave a comment on our website and Mr. Fitzgerald will find it and contact you. <laughs> if you're tired of hearing Fitzgerald Engineering Services, then contact us and you can buy out his advertisement slot. <laughs> we are. We are for sale for modest financial compensation. All right, welcome back. The moment before the moment we've all been waiting for. Watch or rewatch. Mo, are you going to watch this show? This is, this is a joke. <laughs> I mean, I... Oh, she's on the fence. I was I was thinking about watching it only because of the hype that it had from other people. But your your limp biscuit is pushing me for a a not rewatch. Okay, well I I'm think well I think my petardar the fact that you've seen it three times. I think my petardar might bring you back, but that's fine. At this so Mo, that that's an official not watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Drew. I'm with her, and the thing is, this Limp Biscuit has betrayed my memory of my nostalgia boner because there are certain shows that I would rewatch, like comfort food shows, maybe. I think choosing between a show I've never seen before that has hype versus this show, I think I would choose the other show because I don't want to watch the rest of Firefly again. This this makes me feel weird. Mm, boo this pilot. Well, no rewatch. I am going to rewatch this show, not because the pilot was good. But because I'm really curious if this show holds up or if there was just something weird going on. And I will rewatch this show. I'm not going to probably rewatch it tomorrow or next week. But at some point, I think I would. When Jamie Hanna, you know, and me are just kicking it around, I might watch the show again. I don't know if she wants an alias yeah. or not. All right. that's Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's out there. Too late. Yeah. 87 we people. Ha- we haven't officially are. named her yet. So. And now... The moment we've all been waiting for. To hoist or not to hoist? That is the question. I want to go first. I want to influence other people's decisions with this one. Um, Fucking hoist this show and fucking do the sound effect after I say this. Because we might not hoist this show by split decision, but I want that sound effect after my feelings. Here's what, here's what ultimately I didn't get into because I wanted to save it for this point right here. This show is the ultimate non-crab man because the crab man does so much and asks so little. This pilot is the anti-crab man because this pilot is like, hey, just stick with us. No, keep listening. I know it's boring. No, I know these characters aren't likable. Hey, I know like these side quests aren't even that cool and we're kind of still being really, really, really obvious about what we're doing. But just, hey, stick with us. The end will be awesome. Jimbo, you said it. The end was not awesome. Like, yeah. It kind of kept stringing you along. Like, it does not deliver on the opening scene. It's kind of like Supernatural, except longer and more boring. So, hoist this fucking show. This Limp biscuit stabbed me in the back. We talked about Jesus and Mary Magdalene. This is the Judas of our pilots. I am betrayed. (laughs) I support Hoist. I'm hoisting the pilot episode of Firefly. Damn. Well, I mean, I came into this thinking okay i watched battlestar galactica which spoilers on the pradardar and and I, it's like equally i don't know go mo come on i was Be going bold. to Let's, i was gonna not hoist that's fine. Well, i was gonna not hoist only because of the fact that i watched battlestar 
That's but, a, I don't like your logic. But I want to change that, my mind. Go, Mo, I don't it. like your logic. If Battlestar is a better show that does this better, then like, <laughs> yeah, let's not hoist that yeah. show if it ever comes up. But I mean, I don't know why referencing a better show or a show that you liked more <laughs> than this show would cause you not to hoist it. Because it had its weak moments and, and I forgave them. But the pilot was strong for Battlestar, so I was able to forgive it. So you know what? I'm going to hoist it. I'm hoisting it. All right. You got, y'all changed my mind because that low point conversation really took me. It made me upset. Yeah, it was. It re-traumatized lis- me listeners, for the hour and a half that I never would Sorry to put you through that, but we had to for effect purposes. <laughs> All right. Hoist. Fireflies, pilot, serenity by unanimous decision. Hella hoisted. And now we have an interesting moment. We are going to place Firefly into our quest for the best, or I should say our quest for the worst pilot ever. And I'm going to say that this pilot, although it is very bad, is nowhere near Buffy bad. And what the hell is with Josh Whedon? How come he gets to do double pilots for all his shows and they're just so long and bad? But I'm going to say that I'm going to place it Above Wonderfalls, though. I will I will tell you the shows that got hoisted. Number 11, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Then number 10, Seventh Heaven. Then number 9, Wonderfalls. And then number 8, Supernatural. So, Jimbo, are you putting this show uh, above Wonderfalls but below Supernatural? Yes. Thoughts, Mo? Hmm. Did you see Su- Supernatural by any chance? I did Okay, it. that's fine. I'm missing a lot. Su- Supernatural justifies being above it because it was a split decision. I, I guess I could agree with that. I was... Drew, jump in and then... I'm so conflicted because Wonderfalls did... I think they did a better job, but it didn't, oh, wow. it didn't have space stuff. I'll say this. I there really was no space, space stuff. stuff. Did, I, did I like more people in Wonderfalls? Did I like anyone in Wonderfalls? Maybe I didn't. I didn't like anyone. I, I guess I kind of liked Wash's Dinosaurs, so I guess Wash's Dinosaurs <laughs> beats... God, dude. He's great. Watch, get on YouTube, Mo. Listeners, and like please Firefly, make fun Wash of Drew on, on the website for this. This is it, it can't just be me. Firefly <laughs> and Alan Tudyk fans, otherwise known as the pirate from Dodgeball, excellent character actor. Get on the website and back me up. And also, Alan Tudyk, when I at you on Twitter, just get my back, dude. I'm I'm doing you a favor here. So I will put the dinosaurs of firefly above the dented wax line of wonderfalls that is my personal feeling right now yeah i would personally put right. firefly above glee but i know there was was some conflicting glee but i would actually put it below su- supernatural so i think it needs to go below supernatural and glee just because they were split decisions i can put it below supernatural yeah at least supernatural wasn't an hour and a half long yes i feel like we're gonna say that a lot All right. I'm so upset about that. I'm still upset. So I would say, as of right now, Firefly is our best hoisted episode. All right, so Firefly is going in here. Not to say that it's good. Yeah. Firefly is the new number nine on the quest for the best. It'll get updated on the website and on the Google Doc. I can get behind that. All right, Patardar. I have a couple things on my on my Patardar. And since I'm since I'm talking, I will go into it. I think Expanse is a really cool. I only I only watched the first season, 
but it's a really cool space show. It's a more, one of the things that got me into expanse was some science people were talking about it on, on the science hour on NPR. And they really liked how the ships in expanse actually turned like a real spaceship would have to turn in space. One of the biggest flaws in most space flying scenes is they have wings there's no there's no atmosphere in space. Wings work because they're in Earth's atmosphere. So like any like time you see a ship in space with wings turning, it's complete bullshit. But anyways, so like Expanse like follows the more of the science to it, and and the story is pretty is pretty good. There's there's the same kind of dynamics that that is going on with with Fireflies. You have like different classes in different sections of the solar system that are kind of at ends with each other and so expanse is worth watching if you want another space show my really strong one the movie serenity i think is excellent in it you don't need to know anything about the tv show it does a it, it's a good standalone movie but it also really builds into the backstory of of the firefly series and then it also is a continuation of where the season one ends so I would recommend that Mo check out check out the movie if you're a little bit interested in what's going on. Mo, check out the right. movie, especially Where if you want it? to know more about Reavers. Uh, yeah. it's it's out. You know, it's I'm your not local sure library. If it's on a, yeah. Okay. And then and then a character that I thought was going to do something in that first episode that never did. My favorite character in Firefly universe is River. River is a badass. She's she's one of my favorite. Uh, She's she's one of my favorite space characters. Period. She's a badass, and it's just so unfortunate that she wasn't developed at all during the pilot episode. It makes me feel like they maybe didn't know what they were gonna do with her. Which one was River? That oh was yeah, yeah, that girl. Doctor's that girl, sister. Girl, the main one. Yeah. 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 Um, I like those Petardar suggestions, Jimbo, and I very much second the uh, the Serenity the movie. Um. I also, again, Mo, if you're intrigued by the mystery of the Reavers or who the Reavers are, what's going on with the Reavers, um, Serenity, it, it gets brought up. And you see more of the Alliance, but again, with no Asian people. Yeah. And I was sh- shaking my head for that Rivers reference. Sorry, Reavers. Rivers mm-hmm. the character. Reavers are that other weird species. If you want some Reavers, the movie's the place to go. Yes, it is. Reavers. See, I think Mo's going to go watch the movie. So my petardar this week is the, I believe it's an ABC show uh, called Castle. And it's it's popular. It's on TNT all the time. Uh, it is very much the evolution of uh, Nathan Fillion, who plays Malcolm Reynolds. Because he was a bad guy in Buffy, uh, season six, I believe. And he was charismatic, but he was young. And he wasn't doing great acting. And then he pops up in Firefly. And he's a little bit better. He's getting more roguish, more Han Solo-ish. And again, he's charismatic, like you know. But then in, in Castle, he just cuts it loose. It's a lot lighter. It's a it's a crime procedural where like an author who writes crime mysteries helps a detective, and it's great. Like Nathan Fillion does way better with the back and forth. Will they? Won't they? With his co-star in this show, as opposed to like uh, Captain Reynolds is negging. Like you know that thing where like dudes are always ripping on girls to get them to like them. It's yeah, it's pretty like playground. Yeah, Captain Reynolds is a pretty big pickup artist in this episode and moving forward in the show Castle, you know, he's just more lighthearted and less creepy. So oh, Right, he is in that show. I've heard a lot about that show. It's it's fun. You can watch any episode and it's fun and he's charming. And it starts here but it's perfected in the TV show The Castle or just Castle. 
And also Nathan Fillion is in this really cool mini musical with uh, Neil Patrick Harris called Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog. And he plays this asshole superhero who's like the good guy, but he's a prick. And Neil Patrick Harris is a supervillain, but he's a nice guy. Um, and so oh. it's interesting. And there's songs. And Jimbo's favorite. In Castle? What? Castle has. No, no ca- what has songs? Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog oh, has songs. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like. And it's also written and produced by Jimbo's favorite uh, creator, Joss Whedon. So check it out. How about you, Mo? Um, so I already mentioned a little bit my Pradardar, but Battlestar Galactica is similar in the sense that it's in space and there's some beef with the government, good and bad guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I, it's been a long time, but I really did like it. And it's, every episode ends on... On a cliffhanger, so it really gets easy to get roped in. And each episode's like an hour long, so maybe that's why I felt like I needed to make that comparison because I stuck by Battlestar even though it, every episode was as long as the pilot was. But I would recommend it. It's good. It's like everyone is looks human, but not everyone is. Some people are robots. Uh, so next week we have a pilot picked by one of our Peace Corps Mozambique buddies, Nick Edwards. He chose uh, the revolutionary AMC drama Breaking Bad. So for all the um, Walter White fans out there, we're getting into it next week. Heisenberg, Heisenberg, Heisenberg. Yeah, my middle school students were wearing those T-shirts like four years ago, and those were like eleven-year-olds, and I was like, "All right, I know what you're doing? <laughs> That's awesome." Yeah. All right, uh, Jimbo, you wanna you wanna hit us with that sweet sweet catchphrase? If you can't tell by the music, the show is officially over. But listeners, if you love us as much as we love us, we're gonna stick around for a few minutes, and we do have a review. <laughs> Just uh, some plugs. Also, you know the website, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us, and you can follow us, and you and you can be involved in all things us. And the official closing music is an instrumental track mixed by Entheos, and it's titled Is Alive, and you can find that on SoundCloud. And the official background music for our advertisements and sponsors was mixed by Jake Drew, and you can find him on YouTube. Uh, I think we can get some reviews in real quick, because I know Mo wants to get up on the mic, get real for a minute, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So Liam. So this is a this is a review by one of my students. He's an eighth grader. It's titled "Phenomenal Podcast" from February tenth, twenty eighteen. Liam H. Five stars. I've been listening to many different podcasts while doing homework recently, and came across this one. Not only is it really interesting to listen to from the episodes I've listened to, I get a great idea of what new shows I can watch. For that, this podcast is one of the best I've ever listened to. Good job, wow. Liam. Thank you. And Liam, let us know what show you'd like to recommend. Liam is leaning towards the crown. His parents have watched it and they've said good things. So I guess he wants to I've know what we think. Too. Yeah, oh, okay. and it's it's not young, pretty white people on the CW. So, Liam, we have your spot waiting for you on the website. And if you want to know what what is on the on the horizons, we have a we have a page. I think we're up to week twenty five. Yeah, out. episode twenty five is planned out. Woo! And then I I just want to make one more comment, listeners. I want you to take note that we just watched a pilot about space and your co-hoister Drew did not recommend The Last Jedi. 
Ooh. Uh, yeah, mostly because The Last Jedi is so awesome and kick-ass that I didn't want this terrible, terrible pilot to be mentioned in the same breath, so... Yeah, that doesn't make any sense for a recommendation, but okay. Well, why not? Like, I'm, I'm recommending if you wanted to like Firefly, you know, like, uh, The Last Jedi is not a space western. It's way high-tech. And listeners, I will never recommend something shitty for you. I always recommend the best that I am aware of. <laughs> Listeners, I recommend what I think you will want the most, not what I consider subjectively to be the best. So, you know, yeah, I okay. If you want to see what's the best, go see Black Panther. I saw that this weekend. It's Dude, the best. It's awesome. Now we're it's not way off, way off topic. But I like to know. I, I like best. that that Drew objectively knows that the Last Jedi was not the best. Thank you, Drew. Eh, that's no. I liked what it. I was that the most recent one? Yeah, it's very good. Jimbo has Jimbo is an iconoclast, which means that if people like something, Jimbo doesn't. So. Too many people liked The Last Jedi. That's bullshit, man. I like This Is Us. Uh, we'll get to that eventually. All right. Um, so, Mo, the the boards are lighting up. The boards are on fire, and they've been waiting for Mo to speak to them. You are... They, they've been waiting for you, Mo. I, I feel like, first of all, we should definitely inform and educate Zero on what per, a person of color is. <laughs> That's probably a great place yeah, to start. Do that, do that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mo. And this is my my definition. Everyone's is different, but um, mine is essentially anybody who isn't white or of, of Anglo descent or of a colonizer descent. Yeah. And I think Zero knows who colonizers are, correct, of the world? I think Zero can <laughs> figure that part out at least. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. And Mo. Drew Drew questioned me when when I referred to um, the creator of One Punch Man. He's Japanese, and I was like, eh, he's practically white. I mean, you know, the Japanese are you know kind of colonizers in their own ways as well. So I would consider Asian people of power to be kind of more whitish as well. Yeah, there's a range within there. There's a lot of disparities within um, the Asian community and underrepresented. And in the Asian community, the people with darker skin are usually the people of the lower class. Right. Yeah, so we can also look at it, zero is like a, a melanin capacity, to an extent. <laughs> is a, it could be a person of color. Right. We need that little NBC logo, that music. Oh, Jimbo, <laughs> cut that, the more, the more you, you know. know. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> okay. Um, and I'm then, not going to do that. Remind sorry. me what else zero put out on that post. Zero doesn't want us to use the phrase balls or testicles or fuck or shit around you, Mo. We don't want to. I mean, we don't want to upset your sensibilities. Yeah, and most possibly the most vulgar one of us. <laughs> I definitely curse a lot, and I'm not offended, and I definitely don't need um, protection from curse words or any of that. I can definitely handle myself. Some people don't like cursing, but it's not because they're women. It's because they just don't like it. Yeah, and, and listeners, I started cursing because of feedback from you listeners. I usually don't curse. I almost never curse. And now I started cursing more just for entertainment value. <laughs> I enjoy cursing quite a bit. I'm not bad about it at school, but one time Tori's aunt heard me speaking casually, and I guess she didn't appreciate how many curse words I had. And so she said, Drew, like, you curse a lot for a teacher. Like, do you ever cuss at school? And I said, no, I'm, I'm a goddamn professional. <laughs> <laughs> nice good save so so mo we've we've all i've also been trying to teach zero about this as well now you you called dutch a pussy 
Now, what's、okay. what's your stance on using the word pussy to refer to someone in a negative manner? If we have time for this, you know, if if we don't have time for this, then we can save this for、uh, another day. Let's make time for this, Mo. I mean, I couldn't. I I understand what Zero is saying. Okay, Claire, 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 clarify for the listeners that haven't read the web the website. What do you think he's saying? So so Zero saying that pussy's a derogatory term, and it is associating something that's negative with having a pussy, or that if you okay, have a no, pussy, that's what I'm saying. Zero is not saying that. That's that's what、oh, I'm no, saying. He's, oh, he's saying that it's fine to say it because yeah, Zero wants to say it because、boner. because you said it, right? And I'm a woman. Yes. Um, which maybe this is another teaching moment for for Zero. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so the same. There's very few privileges that I have as a woman of color, and one of them is that I can say pussy and no one can say shit about it, especially a white man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zero, you heard it there. Now, do you think do you think a white man has the right to be to be using the word pussy? Now, remember, Mo, you speak for all women. Right, that's a lot of pressure. I mean, no, I wouldn't condone using the word. It kind of slipped because, again, I'm I'm vulgar and I don't really I'm bad at filtering myself. But I read an article that people that curse are highly intelligent. So well, throwing that out there for the mix, dude. As someone that from a place with not a lot of educated people, that's complete <laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> I think there's a spectrum of. Yeah, this, dude. I, th- I think your research <laughs> study should. I I can tell them some regions to go research if they if they really <laughs> want to get some some accurate data. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and defend using the word pussy. But the same way, I can't say the n word, you know. But some a black person can, and that's like valid. See, I'm not I'm not gonna tell people what words they can and can't use. You know. If, listeners, you can use whatever words you want, but you're going to be judged accordingly for the words you use. And this is th- this is the point I'm trying to beat Zero with, and he just isn't quite getting it. And I think this is a typical white man thing: is to just not get that words are offensive, and if you use them, some people are going to think you're assholes. Not everyone. Not everyone's going to think you're an asshole. There's going to be a lot of women that could give a shit less whether you use the word pussy or not. But、you know what? There's going to be a lot of women that, when you use the word "pussy," they're going to think, and they're going to know that you're referring to that term as saying that being a woman is not good. Because, I mean, we we use the word "nostalgia boner" to talk about something that's good. We didn't say like "wet nostalgia pussy lips." We could have said that, but just even in our culture, we don't necessarily. Like the things that are badass, like balls. Like you have balls is a good thing. That means you have courage. If you don't have courage, you're a pussy, and you have female genitalia, and like that's. And so, for any of our listeners that don't get that, that's the point I'm trying to make. If you want to use, if you want to refer to things that you don't like, is as being something of qualities that people with less power have, go ahead. But I and a lot of other people are going to think you're an asshole. Yeah, Jimbo, I have a really. I think it's a good rule of thumb. For for zero in these situations, or anyone else who just doesn't know, and it very much relates to like what Mo said about the N word. In that, if no one has ever called me something with hatred in their heart, then I don't think I should use that word because it's not my word and it's very derogatory. So like, no one's ever called me an N word, you know, and like had to be mean. So I shouldn't say that. Like, it's not my license to use. But if someone who's black has been called that, and 
it gives them a moment of relief or respite or they feel like it's their word or they want to take it back or they can use it in like their own cultural setting or with other black people i'm fine with that because people are not calling me that and i don't have the baggage that comes along with like that word so i don't feel like i should say it same thing with like gay slurs and same thing with like you know me not being a woman and like using the word pussy derogatorily like i don't live with that baggage i don't live with those issues and so if those words are not for me and that's my baggage that's you know that's fine and I don't have to use those words. It's really just a matter of convenience. Like I can use other words and I can work a little bit harder. I'm fine with that. Yeah, and I and I actually um after after Wonderfalls, Miss Nomalous made a comment to me that I used the word bitch four times. And I and I did. And I've actually thought about that a few times. I've almost went back and made like a disclaimer. And so, in, and now that we're ta- talking about words, I regret using the word bitch four times to refer to a female in the episode with negative features. And because it's kind of the same thing, like it's it's going back to insinuating that being a female is not good. Yeah. And, uh, and if a female or women want to use that word amongst themselves, I'm okay with that. You know, like they they carry that weight. And so if that word is something they want to take or use or or just not want other people to use that's cool that's not you know like i will support that and it's not my word yeah Yeah, and i will say that i try to not because there is this whole um there is this whole dynamic of women being told by usually this is uh, something driven by men where they're encouraged to hate on each other so i try not to use bitch before those reasons but i i just honestly i call everyone a bitch and it's really it's something I try to work on, but yeah, we, you know we're trying to trying to uplift each other, and using that word doesn't help. Yeah, and it's hard. I'll say I'll say I'm not going to tell you what what words to use, and I'm not going to tell women or black people or anyone or gay people what words that they have the right or not to use. But yeah, I think I would if like if if Mo if you were asking me for my advice, I would recommend just minimize the amount of offensive words that you could use. Because even though you don't get offended or you think you have the right to say it, other people in your group might disagree with you as well. I always put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. Always. That's fine. You know. It's just something I've learned to live with. But. And because Mo has so yeah. much personality, she she definitely gets like a foot in the mouth pass because <laughs> she is just exploding Mo- with personality. Yeah. <laughs> but I guarantee Mo. You know what? I guarantee Mo offends people. <laughs> oh, for for sure, one hundred percent. But I'm grateful for all my friends that that check me and tell me and educate me, and I learn a lot from from the people I choose to surround myself with. And I don't, and I'm humble when they when they tell me uh, you're being ignorant and shut the fuck up. Nice, yeah. <laughs> True friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So listeners. So you got to be open to that. Yep. If, if you want to sound ignorant, go ahead and use whatever words you want. If you don't, then maybe, you know, listen to, to all your friends when they give you some a little advice. Yeah, but and if you're in Mo's friend group, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tough. All right, well, we do. We I, I think we smashed the shit out of that one. Yeah, that was good. That's good <laughs> yeah. stuff. We can change the name from Shop Talk to Let's All Be Better People Talk. Nice. <laughs> And All right, well, think, yeah, um, think, every um, day we're hoistling. Oh, wait, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. I, I, I want to go first. I always got to go last. Every day we're hoistling, Drew out. Every day we're hoistling, Mo out. Every day we're hoistling, Jimbo out.
Every day we hoist in that pilot's impetus podcast.